0: morning.
1: Hello, Sam.
0: How you doing?
1: I'm fine, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, wonderful. I'm about to head up to Opikopi.
1: Oh, I'm so jealous.
0: <laughs> Does it make you reminiscent of Joburg ridiculousness?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Opikopi uh. is, um, well, I was going to say it's my favorite music festival in the world, but I haven't been to that many. Mm. I've been to like one in Europe and, uh, and Opikopi pretty much. Yeah, uh, I did go to something called Woodstock in South Africa. Very misleading name. It's nothing like uh, like <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, yeah, uh, and lots of like um, teenagers fighting with each other violently Ew. Um, Ew. and spray painting cars and stuff. But yeah. um, and back in the day, I went to I went to twenty one or Oh
0: my goodness. <laughs>
1: Because it used to be on twice a year. Uh, They used to do one in April and one in August. I was about to ask, "Geez,
0: how old are you?" (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Relax, relax, (laughs) relax. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. So Um, actually, this is my very first ever OPI copy. Can you believe it? So I'm going to go big. Oh wow. Uh, I have my dinosaur onesie. Yes, yes, I need all the tips. I have my dinosaur onesie. I have giant boots. I have so many wet wipes. Um, I think this is everything I need.
1: <laughs> okay, so um, the dinosaur onesie is not going to survive. You might want to leave that at home if it's precious to you. Okay. Um, it's a rough environment. There are lots of thorn trees. It's very dark at night. The temperature drops to minus uh, degrees during the night because it's a cold time of year. Uh, So it's warm in the day, freezing, but like deathly freezing at night. Lots of smoke and dust. So if you're asthmatic uh, Mm -hmm. or if you have sensitivities to dust and smoke, you're going to need nasal stuff. Um, You basically – you have two options here. Mm -hmm. You either stay sober the entire weekend and have lots of medicine on standby. Mm, Or if you're going to get drunk, you stay drunk the whole weekend. (laughs) You wake up in the morning – and you start drinking
0: because <laughs> it's the care. only way
1: like the later years of marriage this is the only way you're going to survive you stay <laughs> drunk all the yes. time
0: this is this is very much the plan yeah i think there's there's something kind of fun about i don't know just how how ridiculous and uncomfortable but wild and everything it's going to be yeah
1: absolutely yes. so um so I'm jealous, but I did. You know, out of out of out of every one of the twenty-one opicopies I went to, there was only one after which I promised myself I would never go again. Really? Yeah, it's intense.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, you
1: you will hurt. You will be in a world of pain on Monday.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm anticipating that. I'm. I've uh, sort of assembled Monday so that it can be a late, slow day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But yeah, What's it your be fun. usual
1: Monday routine? Um.
0: It, ah, hmm. What is my usual Monday routine? I think it's the same as every other every other day. Um, Just hang in there, Try the to survive. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we've discussed this before. I mean, I don't particularly hate Mondays because I do quite like my job. Um, I suppose. So my normal workday routine is kind of waking up. I wake up twice. It's a bit weird. So I kind of do this thing where I wake up ridiculously early in the morning at like quarter to six. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I get up and I do stuff. Um, and that tends to be writing time if I feel like it, but it's very, it can also be mooch around in my pajamas and think about lifetime. Um, and then I go and nap some more and -hmm. then I wake up properly at like quarter past seven. And then that's, that's. Time to go to work time. Um, and then I get to work and then I make coffee and I check my email, which I shouldn't do first thing in the morning. I know I shouldn't do that because it, it puts my you. mindset. Exactly. It makes you think first about answering other people's problems before doing the things you know you need to do. But anyway, I do that every morning. It's a habit I'm trying to break out of. Um, yeah. I don't really take a lunch break. Um, I kind of, I kind of take little breaks throughout the day and try and vary the kind of work i do get home when i get home and then monday nights is it oh monday is sushi night um so mm-hmm. i meet up with some friends at a at a sushi bar i found that having that kind of routine with seeing friends is the only way that i regularly see my friends now um mm-hmm. it's kind of when you know tuesday night is the night i spend with my bestie monday nights or sushi night i don't know um, mm-hmm. because otherwise things are chaotic and it's, you've got to coordinate and then you never do coordinate. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't well, know. I
1: like do the, uh, sorry. Mm. No, go no, ahead. Do you first?
0: <laughs> no, you, no, you We're like those two overly polite women in front of a door. Um, <laughs> I, I forgotten what I was going to say. Go.
1: <laughs> oh, I was going to tell you that I was born on a Monday. And also that I like the idea of not starting out the week by reading email, although I guess for some people that's not something they could accommodate in their routine. Mm. Um, was it Paul Bikite, uh I think, who was the engineer who kicked off Gmail for Google? I think it's his quote where he said, um, your emails is a to-do list compiled by someone else. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And when you think of email that way, because that's really mm. what it is, yeah. Then, um, then maybe that should be the second thing you do on a Monday morning after looking at your own to-do list that you compiled,
0: and actually marking some things off. So, I mean, I know some people, you know, <laughs> different people, different people's brains. Uh, work Item differently, one: but
1: check email.
0: <laughs> <dick>. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like I know that my brain works best in the morning. After about two in the afternoon, I'm useless. So I try and schedule meetings for after two because you don't yeah. actually have to think in meetings. You just have to sit around and nod. Um, mm-hmm. So the best thing for me to do is when, I, when I'm on a deadline and things are chaotic, I'm very productive because I go in, I crank out work for three hours before I look at things like email or talk to anyone else. And I get so much done. So I really need to yeah. stop doing this email thing in the morning.
1: That working under pressure thing is weird, and then you make peace with it. I, you know, I was I was lamenting this once uh, with our mutual friend Mike Stopforth. Um, mm. We were we were just becoming friends, but this endeared him to me because I was pretending to play golf sticks, um, and I don't know how to do it. It's very different from pick up sticks. Um, what on
0: earth were you doing trying to play golf sticks? Were you trying to be cool like all the other bankers?
1: Uh, uh, Craig, Craig Rodney and Mike Stopforth um, – before they were sleeping together and uh, merged their companies, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Not back literally. when they were just flirting, <laughs> they they invited me to go away on a golfing weekend with them. Mm. Uh, and I said – well, I had my dad's voice in the back of my head. My dad always used to say, golfs just fucks up a nice walk. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, – and so that's probably true. But uh, I thought I'd give it a, a crack anyway. Why not? Uh, just you know. try
0: everything once, yeah?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, it turns out I'm not so good at it. But, um, <laughs> but it was on this occasion when I was lamenting the fact that I can only work under pressure and worries me. And Mike was like, well, you know what that means? You're just going to have to always work under pressure. You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> <And> <laughs> That's then, so true.
1: And then as with anything, you own it. And then it's like, well, that's me. I work under pressure. Mm. Hi, I'm mm. Simon and I work under pressure. And then it's fine. <laughs> then you're like, well, bring pressure and I'll work. If there's no pressure, I don't work. Easy peasy, man. This isn't so a do problem. You,
0: do you find ways to manufacture pressure for yourself to no. kind of be more productive? No?
1: No, yeah? I just leave everything till the last minute. <laughs> that does it. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's awesome. See, I, I kind of, I have the same problem. I'm a, I'm a chronic procrastinator and I'm very much, I'm, I'm last minute Susan, you know? Um, so what I have to do with my very elaborate to do list system, which we've previously discussed is I set myself really ridiculous, fake deadlines, um, for things that make me stress about them so that I get stuff done more regularly. And it seems to work for me. It's, it's kind of like, I, again, I've acknowledged that that's what my brain does and I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to hack it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe I should just go with it, though. <laughs> do you just find that
1: r- routine, uh, routine helps with that?
0: Uh, enormously. Um, but I think – so, I mean, I think routine is everything, right? I mean, you you are your habits. I, I think there was Thoreau who said that, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think unless you do make something your routine – Nothing really happens in your life, or it happens so infrequently that you can 't really own it. you know yeah. um, I found that finding time to write has been probably the biggest routine challenge i 've had um, over the last couple of years and I read something on Brain Pickings the other day. I think I was reading something by Claudia Hammond. I think who's a who's a neuropsychologist. Or ooh, 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 ooh.
1: put it in our show person. notes. Oh
0: shoot! I completely forgot about show notes. I keep doing this. Oh yeah. my god! Well, Wait, it, open up. Thing. So,
1: um, so you know, you know that uh, that these conversations that we have every week they um, they make their way onto the internet.
0: They do. Uh,
1: they do. They, um, I found them on the internet. and um,
0: That's so weird. Someone is hacking our phone line. It must be the NPA.
1: <laughs> no, no. Let's not get carried away. Uh, uh-huh. But they do end up on the internet. And, um, and when they end up on the internet, we found that people like seeing uh, notes with them. Mm-hmm. So they can go and find all the crazy things we've been talking about. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. So we should, prob- we should probably do that. I'll put this and I, in the show. I, I also need to apologize. In a, recent, um, in a recent conversation, I said that I would uh, go back and recursively update all of our show notes. And I haven't done that because um, I'm a sucky human being. But I will. <laughs> I will do it. Uh, I believe and it you. will be awesome.
0: Oh, man, why do I have so many freaking Google accounts? Trying to find this stupid Google Doc. I want a single unified view of Google Docs with all mm. my multiple Google accounts. There's Make only one happen, way Google. to do that,
1: dude. Which Google is, is, forward is notoriously everything. cuck with uh, multiple accounts. So yeah. what I've done is I've got my Gmail account, and I used to have Google Apps for Business, canceled mm. that, set on all my domains, all of my email forwards to Gmail, and then Gmail has got a really great trick you can do. If mm-hmm. you go into the settings for, for Gmail, um, you can go and essentially give Google control of an email address, even though that domain doesn't point to Google. Uh, yeah. So you go to you go to accounts. Uh, no, not accounts. You go to – oh, it is accounts. And mm-hmm. then there's a send mail as section. And yeah. you can add your email addresses. So I own simon.co.za, simondingle.com, uh, et cetera. I add my email addresses at those domains to Gmail. Gmail sends a verification mail to that address. And then you can essentially send mail from those addresses in Gmail. So if I join a new company, like I've got a FinWeek email address, I said, I don't want your email, please. Just tell your email guy to forward simon at finweek.co.za to my Gmail address. And then Gmail, because it's so smart, if it picks up email coming into that address, when you hit reply, it will send it from that address as well. Mm, mm. And then (laughs) – because, yeah, I also, like, you don't want two Google Plus accounts. And no, I mean, that's lame. people trying to hang out with you on two accounts. And... So,
0: so I've actually done exactly what you've described for my email, right? So the email is not the problem. I also do that, and it's awesome. And it's the only thing that works. My problem is, increasingly, my entire life is in the Google ecosystem, and I can't find a way to do something equivalent on Google Docs, for example, or Google Drive, or whatever they now call it. Um, and Google Plus is a problem for me because I do still have the Google App account as well. I haven't actually closed it. Um, so I do have this, this kind of ghost doppelganger Google plus account off my business account. It's a mess. It's a total mess. I do actually need to just close that account. So it's write.
1: discipline, man. Uh. Just, uh, just, just move all of your, your docs out of the one Google drive mm. into, into the, 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 one to rule them all that you want to use. And yeah. then just, just discipline. Don't use the other accounts.
0: It's true. It's true. I think my mistake is that when I first did this, I decided that the the master account would be the business account, which obviously you don't want to put everything in there because you don't work at a company forever for your whole life. And, um, so that was the mistake. I should have done it the other way around. Well, here's your to first challenge. <laughs> I know. So now I've got to go and reverse, stick everything back into the personal account. Uh, anyway, we were talking about routine.
1: Well, we're talking about notes. So, um, So where are these notes? So they live on a website called Seed.TV. This is the crazy place where all of our episodes end up. And if you wanted to uh, see the notes from this uh, conversation, which is episode number 11, so you'd go to Seed.TV forward slash TBTD forward slash 11. And that is where one day you might find (laughs) the notes (laughs) to this conversation with the links to all of these smart things that Sam is going to talk about right now. Take it away, Sam.
0: Oh no! Now I have to talk about something.
1: No.
0: <laughs> um, so Claudia Hammond writes a lot about how routine and memory kind of kind of uh, interplay with each other, and she she talks about how something called the holiday paradox, which is mm-hmm. why you you have these crazy memories of holidays, and it feels like holidays in retrospect lasted forever, even though at that t- at the time it felt like they were going very quickly, and it's because you're exposed to a whole bunch of new things. Um, so you know those those kind of that that new Lays down more memories and therefore seems to take up more time, um, and this kind of happens. There's there's something called a reminiscence bump, which I thought was just such a great word, um, yeah. which is that idea that I mean everyone. This seems to be true for everyone I know that you have more. Memories and fond memories, as well as ridiculous memories, about yourself between the ages of fifteen and twenty-five, than at any other time in your life. It feels like you were you spent a really long time being sort of a late teenager, early adult. And again, it's kind of there were a lot of new experiences being laid down. Um, and she was talking about so. So the, the reason that this is interesting is that she talks about how routine essentially bypasses a lot of, um, our frontal cortex. So it, 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 what routine does is it makes sure that you, you don't have to consciously think about things as much. It kind of becomes more automated. Um, but the, the, kind of, the interesting thing for me about that as it applies to creative or thinking work is it seems to suggest that the more routine something is, the less you have to think about doing it. And the more you can actually free up that thinking space to think about whatever it is you're actually trying to do. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. But, of course, the it problem is… It makes perfect
1: is, sense. So, yes. So you, you want to create a routine of the things that aren't important so that you open up more scope for new experiences and things mm. that make mm. life richer and more memorable. Yes. So I no, like totally. that. Yeah. And, and a great way to do that, uh, actually a fantastic book uh, that I'm almost done reading, is The Checklist Manifesto mm. by Atul Gawanda. Um, now, Atul is a surgeon, and um, and he goes into the history of of medicine and, and particularly surgery, and how um, and how checklists essentially reduced infection rates in hospitals and accidents in surgery, etc., um, to really to really you know minuscule levels. But he also talks about the difference between um, simple problems, complicated problems, and complex problems, right? Mm. And he's like, you know, a simple problem is baking a cake, okay? Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out, and once you've figured it out, you can write it down, and then it becomes an infinitely repeatable um, mm. process with pretty predictable results, right? That's a simple problem. A complicated problem, there's more moving parts. It's like managing a team of people. It's Mm. complicated because of all the moving parts, because of all the personalities. Um, With enough work, though, you can come up with a framework where it works pretty well for your circumstances and you can perform pretty consistently. But Mm. then you get complex problems like raising kids, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like no two kids are the same. You are not going to come up with much of a manual or a checklist for raising kids. But mm. there's always going to be like this basic list of things that you need to get right. You know, like mm. the kid probably shouldn't die and there's some very basic things you can do. <laughs> you should um, probably
0: feed the kid.
1: You should probably feed the kid, etc. Yeah. I don't think I'm doing Attil's, uh fantastic book. Uh, the best service in summarising. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. But, so, I- but check out the checklist manifesto, and then the most banana story right, mm. Um is is how these checklists apply to everything from building a building to being a rock star. So, mm. one of my favourite stories is is the story of of Van Halen and specifically David Lee Roth, right, the vocalist. Mm. Um, him and and well, the band, but mostly David Lee Roth because he is kind of the manager of Van Halen. They took rock to a whole new level when they were around, uh, especially like in the 80s, when rock bands would show up with three trucks and Van Halen would show up with nine. And that <laughs> meant that their show was pretty complicated, right? Mm. The, the stage was built from scratch. The speakers were installed, etc., etc. And if anything went wrong, A, people could die because stages would fall apart. And B, um, you know, they would just make for a crap show. And that wasn't very rock and roll for Van Halen. Um, so <laughs> there's this dying a
0: strain- in, a, in a mosh pit was kind of part of the rock and roll experience. Yeah.
1: So there's <laughs> this banana story that everybody's heard in one variety or another. And it's usually told about Ozzy Osbourne. And the story goes that – and it was David Lee Roth in reality – would insist of having a champagne glass full of M&Ms in the change room. Mm. And if there were any brown M&Ms, he would throw his toys. There were not allowed to be any brown M&Ms Mm. In the change room. It was item 116 on their technical rider. It was this crazy, out-of-control rock star who wants his champagne glass full of M&Ms, right? Mm. And in the annals of rock history, everybody talks about that as an example of how bananas rock stars were and how out-of-control things were in the 80s. But the reason David Lee Roth put that item on the rider was because he could walk into his change room and at a glance see how well the people organizing his show had paid attention to the checklist. Mm. If there was a brown M&M anywhere, then maybe there were some screws missing from the stage and the speakers hadn't been plugged in properly, right? Uh, It wasn't about the brown M&Ms. The brown M&Ms were just a quick litmus for him before Mm. he goes on stage to make sure that somebody had paid attention to detail.
0: Sure, that is a great question. I do remember hearing that amazing story somewhere about um, checklists in in surgery and and kind of how how it dramatically reduced deaths and infections in in in, in hospitals. And I mean, I think that's a great example of of how. You know, you think doctors are pretty smart people, right? And most of them, most of them, pretty much are. Um, but even really smart people get very tired. And I think routine, because it, it switches off some of your your conscious thinking, um, means that it is much easier to to forget things and to start forgetting things as a habit. Um, so I think looking – and this is probably one of those things that, you know, people can think about applying to their own lives, um, is looking for those those little ways to um, remind yourself of things and remind other people of, of quite basic things. Yeah, it's a, it's a great story.
1: Mm-hmm. It sure Uh is
0: Uh Here's the problem though, right? Is routines Uh are great when they're there And they're set down And you've got your checklist Or you've got whatever you need to do But starting a new routine Is always kind of tricky And everyone does it all at the same time On the 1st of January, right? And everyone is like From now on I will wake up at 5am And I will go run a marathon in the morning And then I will stop smoking And I will eat well Um, And of course that doesn't work, right? um so starting a habit is pretty is pretty difficult
1: yeah it is um but you know it's also back to something that we've said a trillion times in the show which people are probably getting tired of when they find these things on the internet and listen to them and mm-hmm. that's that um, plans are pointless well not pointless but they're mm-hmm. irrelevant planning mm-hmm. is important yeah so you told yourself that your new routine was get up at five o'clock and go for a run mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The three-year-old kicked you in the nads all night and you didn't sleep too well. Yeah. And and now, uh, and now a five o'clock run's not going to happen. Mm. The three-year-old kicking you in the nads wasn't on the plan. But you need to be okay with that. You need to be able to roll with that. You need to be able to be planning all the time so that you can go, all right, well, yeah. I was going to meet with that douchebag this afternoon. I'll cancel that and I'll go run then. Make yeah, sure plenty. this stuff still happens. Spend yeah. less time worrying about the plan being broken and more time planning around it.
0: I think that's 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 absolutely crucial, and I think when you are doing the planning, it's often better to not be so fixed about times when things are supposed to happen. Because of that reason, um, and David Allen, in, in "Getting Things Done," who is the productivity guru of all time, um, speaks about this a lot. And he says, and it, it's it's the same problem that people have when they create to do lists that have hard deadlines on on everything. Is that the second you stop, you, you're unable to get to something, or the second you know, like you say. If friday morning at, at five o'clock you you kind of can't go running you feel like you've failed and the moment you feel like you failed you kind of have taken yourself out of that reward loop in your brain where you know and that's what's really great about uh, successfully doing a habit in the beginning is you get this great sense of accomplishment um and i'm such a great human being and that can be really motivating um uh-huh. but the second that you 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 make it too easy to fail um you you're just you're never going to get into it so i think you know like you say with, with stuff like gym it's 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 a better kind of goal to to say i need to go to the gym three times this week i need to work out how and and when um rather than saying i'm going to go on monday wednesday and friday because it is too difficult for there are too many things can go wrong in uh-huh. if you're that specific
1: yeah um and so failing's fine just make sure it happens quickly Mm. And then then roll with it.
0: And that you don't beat yourself up and you don't feel like, oh, well, there's no point now, you know. And that's what happens. It's like, oh, I haven't gone to the gym on Monday. There is no point for the rest of the week. I should just eat a hundred croissants instead.
1: So I just – I'm finding it hard to concentrate because I just found the Tattoo Emporium on the National Geographic website. Um, Why has nobody told me about this before? It is a journal of science-based tattoos.
0: Oh my goodness. Wait. This is I must definitely find going this. in
1: our notes. Emporium. Just if you if you go to uh, phenomena.nationalgeographic.com mm-hmm. and then search for search for tattoo emporium. Oh my god.
0: Does it have one of my favorite tattoos? Actually, Ruben Goldberg has it. Um, is, it's Darwin's Four Finches, but uh, kind of done in such a way that it, at first glance it looks like a butterfly. So at first you're like, oh man, that guy has a lame butterfly tattoo. And then you go up close and you're like, oh, it's Darwin. That's cool. Ugh.
1: amateurs. <laughs> Everybody has that one. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and that
0: one, and that, oh, what's that equation called? It was voted the most beautiful equation of all time. It's like uh, I, e to the power of, I don't know, i something. Yeah, e to the power of i minus 1 equals 0. What is that equation called?
1: I don't know. Oh, I know it, e equals mc squared. <laughs> no, so this, it's,
0: it's, a, it's a beautiful equation. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, e... I'll bet you it's in the equals, Tattoo yeah. Emporium. I'm sure. I'm sure. Wait. Uh, I'm not finding this place. You're going to have Income to put the ladies. link in. ladies. <laughs> <laughs> My Suicide goodness goal. gracious yeah. me. Uh, there but, are a lot of
1: There are a lot of, a lot of uh, equations in the Tattoo Emporium. Yeah, I'll, I'll instant message you, dude. Bam.
0: good. It's like the 21st century or something. <clears throat>
1: That's right.
0: Cool. All right. That's awesome. It's, uh, I will go and look the at future, tattoos. The
1: future has arrived, so and it's it, tattooed with equations.
0: I find it funny that you, you love tattoos on other people so much when you have told me unequivocally that you will never get your own.
1: Uh, I may. I may not. One thing I have learned uh, in my very long life <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that we should, we should stop making jokes about being, being old. I was told again by a colleague <laughs> this week how very young I am. Uh, They tease me about being young, like I you and your teenage friends. Um, So, (laughs) screw you, uh, guy! (laughs) Tattoos? Not oh, uh, I, I just you know, my mind has changed on so many things so often that I can't conclusively say I will never get a tattoo. It's just part of my mind changing so often is part of the reason why I'm not so keen on it because you know Mm. I'm probably short of short of my children's faces. I'm probably going to hate anything I put on my arm. Ten yeah. years from now.
0: Hmm. I, I remembered or I didn't remember. Wikipedia told me that um, the equation I'm thinking of is Euler's identity. It, it has ah. something to do with waves, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's why. I mean there's pi. There's pi in there as well always pie. There's always pi. There's always.
1: I remember that one.
0: <laughs>
1: anyway. An no, approximation the it's, of pi to be exact.
0: Yeah. Eric er, scrolls off. It's an no, irrational sure that,
1: number, you know.
0: I'm sure that Euler would, would you know have wanted to use actual real pi, if yes. he could. Yes,
1: yes. Mm.
0: <laughs> oh, Simon! You
1: okay. could get a very long approximation of pi down my arm. My arm's but, pretty but- long. But-
0: would you, would you wanna?
1: No.
0: <laughs> I, I did, I did know a guy at Varsity. So I, I stayed in, at Fuller at UCT, which was at the time was, was very much the, the nerd res. Um, mm-hmm. and so I met some very, very, very strange people. Um, and there was one guy who I called Pi Guy for years until I learned his name was Tim and he was actually awesome. Um, who I, like I Pie only Guy more. Pi guy, Pi guy could recite Pi for like an hour. He could just recite decimals of Pi, and, and we did it. We did we did a thing once where we, we like checked that he was that he was doing it correctly. I mean, it's an entirely mm-hmm. pointless superpower, but it was pretty mm-hmm.
1: cool. So uh, routine. I've learned a lot today. Routine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, routine. And the moral uh, of today's story. Kids? So I'm feeling like I'm feeling like routine. Um, Bad idea for your week, like mm. doing the same thing every Monday and every Friday. Unless you really need to, and I, there are probably good reasons why you might. Uh, that mm-hmm. just doesn't seem very uh, fun. But routine when – like I have my routine for when I sit down and write. I have my checklist for when I sit mm. down and write. Um, I go through the motions until it starts happening, whatever. Uh, that, that's where routine is good. It's, it's in those segments of mm. I'm going to do this now or I'm going to do that now. Uh, and then make sure there's some brown M and M's to check on, so that you know that somebody's paid attention to detail or something. Mm, mm,
0: mm. I think, yeah, routines are are important and wonderful things. Um, I think that's what I've taken out of this. Um, I need <laughs> to get myself some more interesting routines. I think I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, you go you to Opie. Yes, try go not to
1: die in a fire and um, or suffocate. And, okay, if you, uh, you never see me Enjoy sleeping on top of a thorn bush.
0: If you never see me again, send people out into the Karoo. I've probably just decided to become a hippie, living in the, well, ca- not in the nowhere Karoo. near the, not Karoo. the Karoo. Sorry, in the desert. Karoo is my general in the casual the term West. for places that have thorn, thorns and lots of dust. <laughs> anyway,
1: the Karoo <laughs> is a jumping castle with uh, continental pillows inside it, compared to what you're about to endear in the <laughs> in, in the low felt.
0: Oh, it's going to be such fun times. Anyway, this has
1: been oh, cool. So jealous.
0: <laughs> I'll take a, a Simon cardboard cutout and I'll take some photos of you at Opi Copy so you can I get have all nostalgic. I've got the
1: worst Opie FOMO ever, dude. And you know why? Um, well, now you're there. <laughs> Thanks for that. Is Mark going with? Yes. It it's gets be worse. Awesome. Two of my favorite people. And Deftones is playing.
0: I know. I know. So there's
1: that. It's gonna be so good. Uh, plus the Bush
0: so, and... we we are so starved for good bands here though. It's kind of like, oh my goodness, it's everyone oh, cool. Not. Ah, come on. Yes we are.
1: For shame, Sam. That's not true.
0: <laughs> okay, we can this is a debate for next week, I think.
1: We're gonna talk about music. Done. Okay. Mm, okay. Wait, let me check. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. All right, Sam.
0: Cool. Um, righty. You stay, you stay handsome. <laughs>
1: uh, and you stay beautiful. <laughs>
0: Aww. Okay, cool. I'll chat <laughs> to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Okay>. Bye. <laughs>